We are going to be in chapter 30 of Isaiah today. And what we're going to be looking at very specifically are verses 15 through 21. Now, I normally read to you out of the New International Version. Sometimes, aside from that, I read to you out of the English Standard Version. But this morning, we're going to be reading out of the Amplified Bible. And the Amplified Bible, it has a lot of words, but what they do is they try to flesh out what's being said by giving additional words or descriptors. And I love the chapter, the verses that we're going to be looking at this morning, not only in Isaiah, but in some of the other supporting scriptures. I love what the Amplified Version says, and it just makes it that much rich, and that, that much richer, and that much more understandable for me. So... We're looking at Isaiah chapter 30. We're going to be reading Isaiah 30 verses 15 through 21. And then we'll start breaking this down. For thus says, excuse me, for thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. In returning to me and resting in me, you shall be saved. In quietness. And in trusting confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. And you said, no, we will speed our own course on horses. Therefore, you will speed in flight from your enemies. You said, we will ride upon swift steeds doing our own way. Therefore, they who pursue you will be swift. So swift that 1,000 of you will flee at the threat of one of them. At the threat of five of you, at the threat of five, you will flee till you are like a beacon or a flagpole on top of a mountain and like a signal on a hill. And therefore, the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore, he lifts himself up that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are all those who earnestly wait for him and expect and long and, I mean, excuse me, expect and look and long for him, for his victory, for his favor, for his love, for his peace, for his joy and his matchless, unbroken companionship. O oh, people who dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, Yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes will constantly behold your teacher. And your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the right hand, when you turn to the left. This is what God desires for his people. God wants to have this intimate Walk with his people. Where they literally 
When they need guidance, he's right there. When they have a distress, they cry out. He instantly hears them and answers. That's the desire of his heart. But if you go back to Isaiah Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1, this is what reality is. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel and carry out a plan that is not mine, who make a league and pour out a drink offering, but not by my spirit, thus adding sin to sin. Who set out to go down into Egypt and have not asked me to flee to the stronghold of Pharaoh and to strengthen themselves in his strength and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Now, we've already looked at this numerous times over the last number of weeks. Just to recap what's going on, (coughs) the prophet Isaiah is challenging the people of Judah and saying, What are you people doing? God himself is saying, you're obstinate children. You are refusing to do what is necessary and right. You are continually turning to anything and everything other than the Lord himself to be your strength, your protection, your shadow, to have everything that you need. Instead of doing what's right, you keep going the opposite direction. Instead of doing what's right and trusting in God, you continually look for other means. And then when you're challenged, you go, well, if that doesn't work out, we've got our own strength. And God is like, are you idiots? Literally. How many times do I have to say the same thing to you over and over and over and over and over again? What is the problem, people? That's what God's saying here to them through the prophet Isaiah. I love in verse 18 where it says, Therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. Therefore he lifts himself up that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. Let me give you an understanding of what that's saying. (coughs) Jesus gave us a parable called the prodigal son. You just saw me tell the children that story. It should be relatively familiar to almost everyone in this room. So I don't need to go through the details again. But there's one detail that you need to see and hear here in Isaiah 30:18, and relating it to the Luke chapter 15 verses this. The father in the story of the prodigal son is imaged for us as a man who is literally standing on the edge of the front porch of his house, day in and day out, scanning the horizon, anticipating the day when his son will return. For whatever reason, in this story, the father has this confidence, this sense of understanding that the day is going to come when his young son who has rebelled against him, who is obstinate in his attitude, in making his plans without counsel with his father, in not doing what is right and appropriate and continually trying to go his own way and making his own plans and supporting himself, 
The father understands that this craziness, this cuckoo nuts that his son has entered into is going to end someday. The father has the understanding that some point he's going to get so far down to rock bottom that he's going to be forced to come to his senses. And that's the words Jesus used in Luke chapter 15. When the young son came to his senses, some of your translations may say came to himself. It's basically the same thing. When he came to his senses, did he find his father at work in the field? No. Did he find his father in the town square doing business with the other businessmen? No. What did the young son find as he was cresting the horizon, coming into view of his home? He saw his father on his feet at the edge of the porch, waiting in anticipation of the return of his son, who would someday come to his senses and repent and return to be back under the care and protection of his father. And that's what we see here in verse 18 of chapter 30 of Isaiah. Therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking and longing to be gracious. He is expecting, he's longing to be gracious. He didn't go out into the darkness. He didn't go out into the pig field. He stood and waited. Because there has to be a repentance. Look at verse 15. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, it is in returning to me that you shall be saved. It is in resting in me that you shall be saved. In quietness and in trusting confidence you will find strength. You see, the reality is, in God's economy, you have the freedom to walk away. And He's not going to stop you. He also is continually wooing you, drawing you back, but He's never joining you in your sin. I used to say to people when people would ask me what it means to become apostate, to fall into sin, is you're walking along a path with Jesus and you go, oh, look at that over there. And Jesus says, you don't want to go over there. We need to stay here on this path. But Jesus, it's so beautiful over there. Trust me, you don't want to go over there. I just want to go and see it for a second. Fine, I'll be here when you get back. See, he doesn't walk off the path to join you in your rebellion and in your obstinance. He stands still waiting for you to return to him. He's ever drawing you. The Holy Spirit of God is always, by prevenient grace, wooing you, keeping you, trying to get you back. But the ultimate decision of whether or not you're going to come back is yours. But when you do repent, when you do make that 180 degree turn and come back to the Father, you will find Him standing in anticipation, waiting for you to come back to Him. And when you come back, you will find welcome 
Open arms, excitement, exuberance. The problem is, you have to read verse 18 all the way through to the end. So let's go back to verse 18. Therefore, the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore, he lifts himself up that he may have mercy on you and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are all those who earnestly wait for him, who expect and long, excuse me, expect and look and long for him, for his victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, and his matchless, unbroken companionship. But you see, there's this, there's this justice thing. That's stuck in the middle of all that fun stuff. God's compassionate and loving and gracious. He wants what's best for me. Woohoo! Praise his name. I can do anything I want and God will never stop loving me. True. But the reality is, justice is still there. And if you walk in rebellion, you will have to face the just God. See, that's the problem. That's the problem that this culture in which we live has this perception of a loving, squishy God. Who's my father? Who's compassionate and always cares and loves me? But the reality is, a truly loving father doesn't let you get away with crap. If you mess up and break the rules of the house, there's going to be a tannin of your hide. Not because he's capricious, mean-spirited, or ugly to you and doesn't care about you, but because he cares about you, he's willing to beat your butt. He's willing to put you on restriction. He's willing to increase your chore load. Why? Because ultimately, his goal is to have you become a fully functioning adult in society who doesn't end up in jail. That's the role of the heavenly father, the earthly father, and that's a modeling of the heavenly father. The heavenly father doesn't want you to end up in hell separated from Him forever. The Heavenly Father wants to be in relationship with you forever. But He is not going to put up with anything that is not righteous. He will not allow it. And that is the very reason He stands off of His throne and steps to the edge of the porch and waits. Because He's not going into the filth. But He's ever waiting for you to return to Him. And it says... The moment he hears you call, he's there and he answers. Well, pastor, it's all well and good, but uh, we're talking Isaiah. And that was like how many thousands of years ago? Yeah, you're right. In 700 B.C. Come on. 700 B.C. Come on. But 
I can show you in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 that it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He is immutable. The rules don't ever change regardless of what the, seri- the, 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 the date on the calendar says. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And the same God who was saying to these Israelites, you foolish Obstinate children, do you not understand? I long to be gracious. I long to be compassionate to you. But you won't have anything good to do with me. Because you're so stuck in your own selfish self-centeredness and all you want to do is play. Well, go play. But there will be a time, there will come a time when you're going to have to answer for your playing. And I sure hope it's before the end when I have to be your judge. That's what the Holy One of Israel is saying all the way down through the ages to every human being that has ever lived. I love you with all of my heart. I care about you desperately. I want you to be part of my family. But I am not going to allow filth into my house. So you either allow me to clean you or you continue in your pigsty. That's your business. But if you want to be with me as, I'm, as much as I want you to be with me, you must turn. You must come to me on my terms. That's just the way it is. You don't have to like it. I don't make you do it if you don't want to. But I'm not bending I'm not changing to suit your tastes and your whims and your desires. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 says, The Lord does not delay. It's on the screen. The Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is long-suffering. And I love this is what the Amplified Version says. He is long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward you. Not desiring that any should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. But verse 10 says, see this is a good one for the screen, for the worship service. But verse 10 says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will vanish. They'll pass away with a thunderous crash. And the material elements of the universe will be dissolved with fire. And the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. Because there is a God of justice that needs to be answered. Because he is going to make all things new. And when he does, whoo, glory. But only the righteous will be coming into that clean house. And there is no gaming the system. There is no playing. Now, I've said all of this stuff, and you're all sitting there going, yeah, preach it, Pastor, preach it, Pastor, good, this is good word, Pastor, yay, great, yeah. How many of you right now, raise your hand if you're bold enough, how many of you are not following the Lord Jesus Christ and are out in sin and couldn't care less about God's things? Anybody in the room? So why am I preaching this stupid sermon? Y'all got it already. 
This was a natural born son who walked away. Yes, ma'am. I walked away for six years. Well, not praise the Lord, but I'm praising God that you're back. <laughs> Let me read to you these words. I'm not going to tell you where it's found yet, because I don't want you turning. I want you to listen. Listen to this. When I was asking God as late as this morning at 8 o'clock, I prepared God. I know what you want me to preach on, but what's the so what in this? This is what he brought me to. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us gave to us the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God, personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against them their trespasses, but canceling the trespasses and then committing to us the message of reconciliation of the restoration of favor. 
So, we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us. We, as Christ's personal representatives, beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor which is now being offered to you and be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made Christ, Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be, approved and acceptable and in right relationship with him by his goodness. Hear this one verse again. We are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal as it were through us. We as Christ's personal representatives beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favor which is now being offered to you and be reconciled to God. For those of you who are taking notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. What is the so what? The so what is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has changed in the way he relates to us. Nothing. What else has not changed? Obstinate children who make their own plans without consulting God, who make their own desires, their own life practices, who set their goals without even asking God, is this okay? Who are literally living lives of rebellion against the Almighty One who gave them life. Think about this, folks. God the Father intimately loved you so much that at the moment you escaped the womb, the very first thing he did was go, and he breathed into you the breath of life, creating your soul, your nephesh. And at that moment, from that time on, the Heavenly Father began through his Spirit to call you to worship him. To call you into right relationship with him. To desire you. And the end result is. Most of these human beings whom God desperately loves. And intimately desires. Walk obstinately away. Never ever to turn around. And come back to him. Ever. And the reality is, folks, I'm paid to stand on the street corner and say, do you know Jesus? I'm paid to say, you're living a life that is not appropriate and right, and you need to get your life right with God. But you know what the problem with me being a paid person to do that is? Most people won't listen to me. You see, my job is not evangelist. My job is pastor. Pastor means I have to nurture and care for those who are already in right relationship with Jesus. It's your job. The ones who's the everyday, normal person who's at the laundromat fussing over the fact that the stupid washing machine's not working again. What do you mean? That dryer's burning up my nylon clothing. Yeah? 
They see you living life. And they look at you and say, how in the world do you get through this trash? And you look at them and you say, let me tell you. Because you have the opportunity to literally be the ambassador for Christ. And so the so what for us this morning is, how are you doing in your job? Are you truly trying to be God's spokesperson to the people around you? We've already heard testimony this morning of the fact that I have a burden for the people that I care about and love, that they come to know the truth. And I have the same burden. But I have to be honest with you, when it comes to getting in their face, I get scared. I fear rejection. I don't want to turn them away from God. Hello? They're already turned away from God. What you're trying to do is keep them from walking over the cliff. And if you see them heading towards the cliff, why aren't you telling them? Someday I'm going to have a mansion in heaven, walking on streets of gold, and the rest of you are going to be dead. Right? Right? That's the way you're living. If you haven't told somebody about Jesus in the last six months, I'll give it to you that way. Then you're saying, I'm going to heaven, and you're dying, ha ha. And it ain't a game. It's not a game. And that's what breaks my heart. Because God the Holy Spirit is doing everything that God needs to do. But he has, for whatever reason, chosen to have us be part of this equation. And he says, through Paul and through Isaiah... They need to turn. They need to repent. They need to come into right relationship with me and trust me. I'll do all the cleaning. I'll do all the work necessary. But they have to turn. Can you come alongside them, put your hand on their shoulder and say, won't you turn? That's all you're being asked to do. Come alongside them, put your hand on their shoulders and say, I love you enough. That I want you to know I don't want you to die. I want you to live forever. Won't you turn? Stop walking the path you're on. There is so much more for you. Such desperate love. And he is standing on the edge of the porch waiting for you to come home. And when you get there, as soon as he sees you on the horizon, he's going to run out and grab you and hold you in a bear hook and love on you and kiss you and give you gifts. But he's not coming out into this filth to get you. You've got to turn. So go out and put some arms on some people's shoulders and start loving them back to their father. And be intentional about it. And don't let the enemy scare you out of it. Because the reality is, folks, you are the one, not me. You're the one. 
that has access to those lights. Let's pray.